You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome back to this week's episode of The State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. And we got a big show for you tonight. We're going to talk about a lot. But before we get into that, Nick, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I can't complain. Um, you know, we're, what's crazy is after this week, some of the uh, half of the high schools around don't, the state will already be halfway through their season. Don't say that. I knew you were going to say crazy? it. Isn't don't, that crazy, though? That is. It makes me so sad thinking about it, though. Like... It feels like we just started and now we're like at the halfway point. I mean, it's halfway of the regular season. There's right. still another half season after that of playoffs and all sorts of fun. So, um, but yeah, don't say that. That makes me sad, Nick. It's like every year, the first five weeks fly by. Yeah. Last 11 weeks take years. Yeah, I would say so. Um, all right. Well, let's jump right into it. It's been a, a busy day here on Wednesday as we're recording this. I feel like I've been breaking news the last two days on like visitors and stuff like that. And, and there, and there is a big uh, game coming up this weekend with the, uh, with Texas tech before we get into that little development that happened uh, this afternoon before we got on the podcast and uh, kind of just want to lay it out and, and explain it long form in, in audio mode kind of uh, better than I can in, in word mode. But um, the, I, if you've been reading the site, you know, we've been alluding to the fact that we thought Jalen Gilbo would would end up back in this class pretty easily, um, especially lately. I would say the last three or four weeks, like that noise has intensified a lot from a lot of different places. We weren't just hearing it from one specific place. Um, and so, you know, we've kind of we, we were bullish on it. I had never changed my crystal ball, so I just kind of left mine in. Nick, you, you put a new one back in for Texas this week. And uh, it seems like your luck and, and our luck in general, um, developments came right after that that went against it. And so um, in checking with a source near Gilbo tonight, um, you know, it did sound like Texas was the school that, you know, was kind of in the lead for him at that point. And, um, man, I, I don't know what happened, but I was told he had a conversation over the weekend with some people close to him and kind of changed course. And uh, it sounds like now TCU is in the driver's seat um, for, for that recruitment. Uh, kind of a crazy turn of events, but not that out there when, you, when it comes to, uh, you know, what we've seen so far this year. Um, it's tough. It's, it's part of why I hate the crystal ball thing sometimes because, you know, we, we went where all the noise was, and I, th- I feel like on this one, again, it was just one of those things where, like, sometimes kids like to go against what everybody's saying, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case with, with Jalen, but if you match up everything we heard, who we were hearing it from, all those sorts of things, you know, it, it Texas definitely made sense, and so uh, for it to flip so suddenly, I think, is, uh, is kind of a crazy development. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we can kind of start with the TCU, you know, noise that we heard well before he decommitted. Um, you know, before he decommitted, I think TCU was probably the biggest concern. And I had flipped my crystal ball as soon as he decommitted to the Horn Frogs. Um, you know, he's built a really good relationship out there with uh, the corners coach, um, as well as Gary Patterson, and specifically Travis Hodges Tomlinson. You know, that's a kid that went in and, you know, earned his spot and has – you know, become a really high upside player for TCU and uh, could possibly be a, a high round draft pick um, in, in next year's draft. And, uh, you know, they've, if you look past in the past decade or so, TCU has been doing a really good job of getting corners out into the draft. You can point to Jason Verrett as far back as, you know, eight years ago or, you know, even closer to, to now. Um, so, you know, Gilbo has definitely been sold on that fact. And, you know, I think uh, TCU is, you know, still for sure contender in this one. And uh, as it looks right now, they can probably land him here pretty soon if they can shut the door. 
Yeah, and I, you know, this has kind of been, it was funny because somebody said, you know, our, our guys have been missing all year on, on these things. I think if, yeah, we've, we've had our fair share of misses this year. I think we've been dead on with everything about Gilbo up until this point. You know, I mean, we were even going back to his commitment. He was the guy I had pegged committing earliest in that class. Um, you know, he was, uh, I think, the guy that, you know, we covered every time that we thought there was going to be a decommitment and up until the final point when there was a decommitment. Um, you know, we talked about it all. And, um, you know, we talked about the TCU push at the time. So, you know, all we could do in those situations is really follow what the sourcing says and, and you know, and hope we have good sourcing. And, and I think we did in this in this case. I think it's just something that changed. So um, that's where that is. And, you know, eventually that's going to go if it, if it does happen for TCU, that'll go down as a flip. Um, a couple of, you know, Texas is trying to do a couple of flips of their own. And um, I wrote about this a little bit in Mike at Night on Wednesday, but there's some interesting stuff going on with Terrence Brooks, the, uh, the little Elm corner who is, uh, committed to Ohio state. Nick, I'm calling an audible here. We didn't talk about this pre-show, but I thought about it and thought this is something we should probably address. Um, I'm not ready to the point where I'm like waving the flag and saying like, he's on flip watch, but I think the contact between, uh, Brooks and Texas has increased a little bit from what I've heard in talking to some people close to the family. I think they are open to Texas. And I think that what makes them open to Texas is when you look at the situation at Ohio state with them uh, stripping Kerry Coombs of his play calling duties and obviously making some changes there, Kerry Coombs is Terrence Brooks lead recruiter at the, at the moment. Um, and so if there's a change there, I think that could upset some things, but I also think that Terrence always liked Texas for a myriad of reasons. And a lot of those reasons were early playing time, which would be available to him. Um, a good education, which would be available to him. And uh, the ability to play in the SEC now is, is now on the table and the ability to play, stay close to home. So I think that Texas has now become a lot more of a favorable look for Terrence Brooks. I'm not ready to say it's going to happen or I'm putting in a pick or anything like that, but it is something to keep an eye on. I think that, um, you know, for Texas, if they miss on Gilbo and get Terrence Cooks, or, I'm sorry, not Terrence Brooks. Um, I think that's a, that's kind of like missing on. It's almost like missing on DeAnthony Gatson and getting Jamarian Miller. Yeah, I agree. You know, it would make the sting of missing out on Gilbo and, um, you know, possibly missing out on Denver Harris, you know, it, it make it a little bit easier. I think Terrence Brooks is, um, you know, he's a high four star and I still feel like a little bit, he's a little undervalued just because every time I've seen him in a camp setting or in person, he's locking down the competition. I remember probably one of the most fun times I had this spring was seeing him and Evan Stewart go at it at the Under Armour camp here in Dallas. And that was just a ton of fun. And Terrence Brooks definitely held his own against, you know, possibly the best receiver to ever come out of the state of Texas. Uh, if we look at it, you know, five years from now, but um, you know, Terrence Brooks and uh, Texas, you know, if you go back to right before he committed to Ohio state, that, that was definitely one of the schools that was on the table. Um, you know, you could arguably say that Texas has finished, you know, second or third in that recruitment, uh, you know, at, and at the point of his commitment. Um, so we'll see moving forward, how much that, you know, uh, communication increases. And if he gets on campus, I think that's going to be a really big first indicator. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's jump into um, the, the Tech game coming up this weekend. Some big visitors coming in, um, and, and we'll start with the official visitor, Lander Barton, the linebacker uh, from uh, Salt Lake City, the Brighton High School. I think this is one of the bigger defensive targets left on the board, and he's a guy that's not getting talked about a ton, but is a guy who is highly ranked. He would be a great addition to this class and I think would really fill out what Jeff Choate's trying to do at the linebacker position nicely. Um, he's, you know, he does, Nick, you, he, he plays both ways. You brought up uh, the other day, I think he had some insane stat line um, that, you know, playing offense and defense for, for Brighton. Texas is, is in this one very much so. I mean, I think it comes down to Texas, Utah, Michigan's in there a little bit. I think maybe, you know, those, those couple of schools. But we'll see kind of where things are coming out of the weekend. I think that Texas has uh, a lot of advantages. Barton has told me on the phone that he's a cowboy at heart. And so, like, I don't know what he thinks Austin is. Um, he said he's excited to see Texas because he's a cowboy. I'm not sure he's going to get that experience in Austin, but – um, you know, we'll kind of see how it plays out. Yeah, for sure. I, I wanted to go ahead and bring up that stat line. This is from a couple of weeks ago. I believe it was in their third game of the season. 
On offense, he had six receptions for 91 yards and one touchdown. And on defense, he had 18 total tackles, including one sack. So, uh, you know, a really, you know, high-end athlete who can get it done on both sides of the ball. Obviously, his projections on, uh, at linebacker at the college level. But, you know, this is definitely a big-time official visitor coming in. He's highly ranked. He's a four-star guy that, you know, if he was in Texas, I feel like we'd get a lot more, um, you know, attention um, from, from fans and whatnot. So, uh, you know, fans should definitely be peeled to this and, you know, uh, curious to see how it comes out on the other side. Aside from him, as we reported this week, uh, Malik Murphy is coming in. He's bringing, uh, he's coming with Danny Hernandez, his quarterback trainer, who is also bringing Julian Sayan. Julian Sayan is, is um, Texas' only quarterback offer in the 2024 class so far. Uh, a guy from Carlsbad, California, who has a lot of our West Coast guys really excited about his upside. He made our initial top 100 list, and I think is like in the top uh, top 20 or so of that group. So um, a, a really big time arm, a guy, Texas is, is really excited about getting on campus and seeing what they could do something with. And um, so, so Julian saying coming in is, is going to be uh, a big moment for Texas and a kid who, who said he's grown up uh, a Texas fan. Nick, I can't recall. Did you get to see say uh, you went to like a Danny uh, training thing? And I don't know if you saw Julian while you were there or not. No, I did not, but I'm going to try to when I'm out there next week. Okay, so we'll see kind of what Julian has to say there. But obviously, you know, I think Malik Murphy's a bit of a mentor to him. So that's going to, you know, do well for Texas. And um, I, I think that's a big one. The other big one coming from out west is a five star defensive end edge rusher from uh, St. John Bosco. It is uh, Mateo Uyangalale. If the name sounds familiar, it's because he is Clemson quarterback DJ Uyangalale's little brother. Um, and he did tell me when I was out in California a couple of weeks ago that he did definitely want to visit Texas. He's coming in with a big group of kids from Bosco, um, including uh, Jaleel McLean, who, who got a Texas offer this summer and uh, some other guys they want to look at. Um, I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes. I, I, I don't want to downplay having a five star like him on campus. This is certainly not an indication that Texas is the leader or anything in this recruitment. It's always good to get one of those guys on campus and kind of see just how it goes from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, this is a big time, you know, West Coast staff. They proved it, you know, early on. And, you know, getting a, a solid group from a solid institution like Bosco, I think is big time. Um, you know, just to kind of open that pipeline and, you know, see which recruits are really interested. And, you know, there's been a lot of buzz from, you know, West Coast recruits, even though we haven't really seen the level of commits yet. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Malik is still the only one from California. I feel like I'm blanking on something. Owen Carey. Owen Carey, for sure. Um, you know, the two, two commits maybe seem a little underwhelming at this point, but if you factor in all the buzz that's coming in from, you know, the rest of the 22 targets and the 23 targets and going forward to 24 with Julian Sand and whatnot, um, you know, I think there's still, you know, a lot of potential for, uh, you know, West Coast ties with the staff. So, you know, I'm very interested to see who they bring on campus and how it turns out. Nick, they're also bringing on a couple of guys or, you know, a few guys that you've been documenting throughout the week who are unoffered, but guys I think you've seen it and have been impressed with. Yeah, for sure. You know, throughout the season, um, Texas has been pretty much giving out game invites to just about every any recruit. Like if you play high school football in the state of Texas, you can probably get a game invite. I've seen some wild game invites that, you know, probably would have no shot at getting an offer. However, this weekend, there's a few that are really interesting to me that I think, you know, maybe down the line could definitely get offered. This will probably be the first or second time that the staff is going to be able to lay eyes on these guys. Just a few that kind of jumped out to me. Um, Lavernia 2023 offensive lineman Barrett Edelman. Um, you know, there's not a, there hasn't been a ton of offers handed out in the 23 class on the offensive line so far. In fact, just last week, Texas offered Jaden Chapman from Harker Heights, who we'll get into a little bit later. Um, you know, that was the first offer that uh, Texas sent out in the, uh, 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 to, I'm sorry, Guy Frazier is FaceTiming me right now. He knows we're on the podcast. I just told him. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that was Jaden Chapman's first offer. He got Baylor the day after. Um, so this is a kid that I, Edelman that I think Texas possibly could offer down the line. Definitely want to keep an eye on. He has Baylor, Houston, and UTSA so far. Uh, another one, Austin Westlake, 2023 quarterback, Marson Monsivis. I believe that's how you pronounce it. He's the backup for Kate Klubnik, so obviously he hasn't got a ton of time. Um, but I'm sure, uh, you know, this is a kid that will probably start next year, and Texas will keep their eye on it as far as 2023 quarterbacks. Uh, and the last name I'll mention is Lake Belton, 2023 athlete, Javion Wilcox. 
uh, at state seven on seven, I, I went over to the Lake Belton tent to check out um, Micah Hudson, the 2024 wide receiver at Lake Belton. And another kid that really stood out to me was JV on Wilcox. He has zero offers right now, but you know, he's really uh, physically built. He looks really good. I think he could play on either side of the ball right now at receiver or safety. Um, but, so he'll be coming in as well. So, you know, I'm excited to see how that turns out. And also one more 2024 quarterback, uh, J.C. Evans from San Antonio Brandeis. This is a kid that I've heard a lot about out of the San Antonio area. He's already standing at 6'4", uh, 190 pounds. And, you know, 2024 quarterback class is getting a little uh, crowded right now. But, uh, you know, this is definitely a name to keep an eye on, especially with him coming to Texas this weekend. So we're working out some things for our next segment of having maybe a guest host, um, as you mentioned, Guy, and I'm, I'm sending him a link so he could hop into this Zoom and maybe join us. So I didn't listen to you all the way through there, but uh, the wasn't there a kid you had seen from Aldean who was also uh, invited? I don't think I heard you say his name. Yes, absolutely. Corey Huff, uh, 2023 DB from Aldean Nimitz. Uh, this is a kid I saw a few weeks ago who I really liked. Um, really, really physical um, and, uh, you know, has really good instincts. He wasn't playing the best offense in the state. Uh, he was playing Katie made Creek, but you know, he did just about everything you would want to see. He definitely jumped out to me. He was somebody I did not know about going in and I knew about coming out. So, uh, you know, that's someone I'm definitely keeping an eye on. I think that's somebody who could start to generate some, um, some buzz here pretty soon. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the state of recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so there's Guy. He's joining us now. Perfect timing. Um, he's, he's on the iPhone because I think he's out to dinner. This is going to be a new feature. Um, we've done our high school game picks every week. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's been... It's been argued about because I've always said that Nick, uh, Nick kind of tilts everything to, to the teams he's seen. And, um, you know, we, I think our, uh, I think our solution is to let guy, uh, pick the game. So joining us now is the great guy Frazier. He wants to be uh Baylor Fraz, I think is what he wants us to, uh, <laughs> to refer to him as it's kind of his version of Sanford Steve. So, uh, take it away guy. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh, thanks for letting me jump on. I know we did this once or twice last year, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think we do um, this every week this year. This will be yeah. every week from here on out. I know I'm a little behind on the records. I think, was Nick leading this year so far? Nick so, has probably not done the math, I would bet. <laughs> hey, now, so Mike got two games on me last week. And since I had a, a double win a couple of weeks ago, I'm now 11-3, and three, but he's 11-2, and two, so he's up by half a game. Better winning percentage. Yeah, for sure. Hold on. I'm 11. <laughs> You're right. I did not do the math right. <laughs> but you are up by half a game. I do know that. I just got to get the numbers right. Okay. All right. So, Guy, Guy's going to pick our games for us. Guy's also going to go in and pick with us. Um, but uh, go ahead. Take it away. It's all you. Okay. So, the first game we've got off the top is a good little West Texas matchup between – a program that's kind of had it rolling the last couple of years and a program that's kind of on the rise here. So we've got Amarillo Tascosa taking on a crosstown matchup with the boys from Paladuro with Eric Mims, uh, what he's trying to do there. Um, so I, I don't know what y'all's thoughts are on that, but I thought that was a little bit of a fun matchup to start things off. Certainly a fun matchup. I'm going to go ahead and make, uh, make my pick here. Um, certainly a fun matchup. I just... And Coach Mims, when he was at 
Duncanville. I knew him well. He was part of that Jaquindon Jackson, that magic, that that offense. He was the guy calling it. Um, so I do have a lot of faith in Coach Mims, but man, Tuscosa is just a machine at this point. Um, and Peladero, like you said, is just on the rise. So I got to go with Tuscosa, and I would say they roll fairly big in this one. Yeah, Tuscosa yeah. runs that wing T almost to a T. Um, no pun intended. Um, and uh, <laughs> Major, Major Everhart has, has been doing really good stuff that, so far this season. He's going to be really hard to stop. Um, also, Major Everhart took an official visit to Notre Dame last week, which I think uh, you know really kind of sw- swayed things in his recruitment. If you keep track of just kids in the state of Texas, that's definitely been one that's been interesting. Not necessarily that Texas has been involved, but uh, that's definitely been an interesting recruitment. But I'm going to take Tuscosa as well. Nick's seen yeah, Tuscosa so, this year, so like he's he. I, you have a better idea of them than I do, but they seem. I, I don't know. I mean, they seem just as strong as they always are, especially with when you throw an Everhart and or, and uh, and uh, what's the kid, Avian Carter. Avian Carter. Uh, yeah, some big names in that one. Yeah, so I'll give you all my pick. Um, I think if you wanted to get kind of trendy and get fun with it, you'd go with Paladero, who I think is like three and one at this point or something like that. Um, and, and I think I like the Mem story because he's a he's a Don himself and I think multiple, you know, multiple generational guy. But I think the, the easy pick and the smarter pick is to go with Major Everhart and Tasco. So and that's what I'll do. Um, elite speed and just a guy that I've become a really big fan of the last couple of years. So I'll, I'll go with Tasco. So, too. Right. Which moves us on to our next game. Uh, we're going to go down to Harris County for Nick here. Uh, with, uh, in a game, a game I'll be at. Or no, no, I'm sorry, you're going to Harris County. I thought you were going in order of the textures in this. My mm-hmm. bad. So Galena Park North Shore and Beaumont Westbrook is next uh, on tap here. What do y'all think? So it's actually not being played in Harris County. It's going to be played in Westbrook uh, in Beaumont. Um, I was originally supposed to be at this game before Bryce Anderson committed to a I canceled the trip. Nick, I got to ask you before I make my pick, did Denver Harris give you an indication last week that he would be back for this game, or do, you, do we think he's still out? He will not. He's getting an evaluation on his knee at the end of the month, and at that point he'll be determined if he'll be able to come, come back. I think best-case scenario, you're looking at mid-October. No Chris Ross either, right? Uh, Chris Ross is kind of a week-to-week basis. He has a minor ankle injury. Um, honestly, not sure of his status this week. I would put it as questionable. Man. Here's what my read on North Shore is just from seeing their early scores and seeing them in the spring. They're still dynamite on defense and and have no they've lost a ton on offense. They don't have a lot to hang their hat on an offense. I think at home. I'm I think I'm going to go with the Bruins in this one and uh, pick Westbrook. Hmm. Wow, that's a little crazy. I can't, I can't go that crazy. I'm going to go North Shore. Um, I saw North Shore last week, and we'll get into that here in a bit. Their defense is actually not as good as it's been in recent years. They gave up 34, 35 points to Klein Oak last week, and Klein Oak was kind of having their way. That being said, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but the North Shore offense just finds ways to score. Um, you know, somebody was asking me after the game, you know, what were some offensive guys that really stood out? They scored 58 points, and I was like – you know, not many. There was a running back, a 2022 running back. He's about five foot nine. His name's Xavier Owens Jr. Um, he's a lot of fun, um, but you know, he's not, he's not a college level type kid. Uh, they also have a 23 running back that, uh, you know, comes in and gets some solid snaps. I think he'll be a power five type guy before it's all said and done. Um, but you know, I, I don't, I don't trust in Westbrook enough here to, to take them over North shore. I think the Mustangs still pull it out. Yeah, so mine's going to come down to continuity with coaching. So because of the turnover with coaching at Westbrook, with Chuck Langston taking over, you know, I'm probably going to roll with North Shore here because of John Kay. Uh, I feel like maybe this North Shore team doesn't have near the superstar power that maybe the past couple teams have. But with that said, they still have some of the more top-end talent probably in the state. Uh, and because of the continuity with, with Coach Kay and what he's been able to build there, um, I think for me, even though it's on the road, I'm going to roll with the Mustangs too and just kind of keep it chalk. Yeah, see, I just wanted to stay away from the chalk at this point. Like, I, I got to get frisky on one of these picks, and I think this is going to be the one. Um, Guy, I think we decided, by the way, that uh, each week you could pick a game that had double potential and we could choose if we wanted to double down on it. Do you have a game out of this mix? Are either of the first two games, would you put a double on or would you wait to hold those for the other ones? 
Um, I think I'm going to wait till one of our small school games. So I picked three big school, two small school. Um, and I think okay. I maybe have that one ready for one of the small school games that we'll get to. All right. What's our next um, game? With that said, we do have one more big school game with a game that you're actually going to be at, Mike, I believe Friday night. Sure. Uh, with the Chaparrales of Austin Westlake taking on Del Valley, uh, their crosstown. Is this a district game? Remind me on that. It's just non-district still. It is a district opener. Okay. So, yeah, give me your thoughts. Look, man, I say it all the time. You don't get rich betting against Bama. You don't get rich betting against, uh, you know, a lot of teams in the state. Westlake at the top of that list. I Del Valley is a team that we've talked about this a ton. They've got a lot of talent year in and year out, and yet um, don't always play up to that level. I think uh, with I, I'm interested to see kind of how they look under this new direction with Bobby Acosta. I love Braylon James. I'm really excited to see him live. But Westlake is a wagon, the definition of a wagon, um, to use a hockey term on you guys. So uh, I got to go with the chaps here. Um, they're just – they're too powerful. Yeah, I got to agree. I'm taking Westlake by probably 30. I think Westlake wins this one really big. Um, their offense is just a machine, and their defense is really good. Uh, they, they lost a couple key pieces from that defense from last year's state championship team, but it doesn't really look like it look like it's affected them so far. Uh, I'm going to go Westlake as well, and an overwhelming one. Okay, so I saw Westlake a couple of weeks ago against Euless Trinity, and at the time that was probably even more of a Trinity game than what this one's going to be. Yeah. And that game was over by halftime in Westlake's favor. Uh, Cade was fantastic that night. Offensive line was really good. Their defense, uh, while it doesn't have maybe any, like, superstar quality type names, just plays really good football. Obviously well coached, one of the best DCs in the state. Um, and with it being at Westlake, I don't know. That just seems like an easy pick no, for the Chaps. So it's actually – Is it at Del Valley? It's at Del Valley, yeah. Okay, well, I, I, I'm not sure that makes a difference. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no offense to those guys, but I'm going to roll with Westlake here. I I think they're the best team in the state right now, pound for pound, and I think it's just an easy pick. Good call. Um, okay, so now we're on to the, I guess what you would call small school games, down to the 4A level. Uh, first, we're going to go to the 4A D2 here with Carthage-Gilmer, which was a state championship game uh, a year ago, and obviously two programs that know each other well out in Beast, Texas. No love lost. Uh, what's your thoughts there? Okay. What I just said for Westlake, you don't get rich betting against Westlake. Double, triple, quadruple that for Carthage. Uh, the dog pound, dog pound, baby. Um, in, <laughs> in the words of the great Gabe Brooks, uh, I, Gilmer's got talent, but man, Carthage is Carthage. Carthage will remain Carthage until somebody beats them. They hung 70 on Gilmer in the state title game. I'll take Carthage. I think this one's going to be a lot closer than people um, anticipate. Um, and I'm kind of going back and forth on it, honestly. Um, Carthage didn't look great against Crosby week one. Granted, they were playing up a division or a couple of division, couple of divisions, actually. Um, but with this being in Carthage and, you know, Carthage being on the roll they've been on the last decade plus, I'm going to take uh, – I'm going to go ahead and take the Bulldogs. But I think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, so I think, you know, Carthage is one of those teams where pound for pound, they're just so above everybody else in their weight class. Um, just kind of going with what Mike said there. Um, and until someone really shows, like, consistent sign of knocking them off, I just find it hard to pick against them. Um, so I think it's one of those games where in, in warm-ups it seems fun. It's two teams that know each other well, and it probably be a little chippy. Uh, but guys like Kip Lewis and Montreal Hatton have, have become some of my favorite players. And Kip was a guy that Mike kind of pointed out to me at, at State last year. And just to kind of see his rise and his recruitment move along has been fun. So I think it's Carthage, easy pick again. But I think we're going to have some fun with this last game here, pound, which baby. is uh, Waco La Vega and – Corpus Christi Miller, which I think our good friend Matt Stepp will be at on Saturday, I believe. So we're making this the double potential game. We can double. I think on this so. One. I think this is a fun one. It's um, number seven in the state versus number ten in the state. So there's a little bit of importance here, and, and the two programs are kind of similar uh, of each other as well. Oh, I'm not sure this one has any major prospects in it, but two teams that um, that always seem to to really, uh, you know, be there at the end and, and be big-time teams. 
I don't think I'm going to double this one. I just don't feel good enough about um, about knowing either team as, as well as I'd like to, especially, uh, you know, if you cover football mainly in Dallas and sometimes in Houston, Corpus Christi feels like a world away. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to go with who I feel more comfortable knowing, and I think that's La Vega. So I'm going to roll La Vega. See, I'm also going to pick La Vega, but I feel a little bit slighted just because he doesn't know enough about Corpus Christi Miller to make an educated guess here. <laughs> I'm just getting at him. Please, edu- please educate me, Nick. <laughs> there is a 23 wide receiver at Corpus Christi Miller that I think everybody should be keeping an eye on, Lonnie Adkism. Uh, he blew up last year, uh, led the state in receiving yards with uh, 1750, uh, 20 touchdowns on 88 receptions. Uh, this kid is lightning in a bottle. He's a lot of fun. I think he's going to give the La Vega defense a lot of issues. Uh, that being said, La Vega has had a gauntlet of non-district games. They, they uh, started the season with a win, and they came back and played Austin LBJ and Argyle back-to-back, which are two of the best teams in 4 AD one and then uh, now Corpus Christi Miller, which is one of the best teams in 4 AD one uh, as well. But they looked really good against Argyle last week despite losing the game. I think they go down to the coastal bend and come out with a victory. I know. Yeah. So I, I can't time, hold on. Go hold ahead. On. I, I need yeah. to address the slander okay. before we move on. <laughs> I absolutely knew who that kid was, and he may one day get there, but right now he has one offer from UTSA. So I stand by my statement that there aren't many major prospects in this game. Right. You're, you're right. You're right. Nick getting a little bit ahead of his skis there. That's typically what these young guys do a little bit, Mike. <laughs> it's a Nick but, move. Um, Okay, so I think this is a little bit of a fun game, and this is where I'm going to try to separate myself a little bit since i got to catch up here. Um, I'm going to roll with the Bucs, and it's simply because I can't get a read on Don Hyde's team yet at La Vega. Now, he is a team that's a little bit like Longview, um, a little bit maybe like Highland Park even. They're not finished products early on in the season. They typically get better as the playoffs come along, and that's when their magic kind of shows. But the first two weeks they dominated. Then they had what was a good, a good loss against LBJ, and you got to think there's a, there's a lot of good momentum around the Jaguars down in Austin, and so maybe it's their year. But then they go and they really fight hard against a really good Argyle team, which I did not expect. So I don't really know what La Vega team you get from week to week yet. Uh, Maybe that's just because they're not a finished product yet. But I'm actually going to bet against them this time and go with, I guess, what is somewhat of a small upset and Corpus Christi Miller being number 10, knocking off number 17 in the state. So uh, I'm going to go with the Bucs. All right, guy, you want to hang with us while we talk about our uh, where we went last week and where we're headed this week, and we can hear your schedule as well? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. All right, Nick, take it away. Where was uh, where were your games last week? Right before we dive into it, I did do the math. I'm at 13-3. and three. You were at 13-2, and two, Mike. Okay. Um, last week on Thursday, I uh, – shoot, where was I last Thursday? Last Friday, I know I went down to uh, Harris County to see Galena Park North Shore – and uh, Klein Oak uh, mainly went to see Chris Ross and um, you know I, I walk up to the stadium and um, he's in a boot and he's not playing so him and Denver Harris were inactive for that game and I touched on a little bit earlier about uh, you know things I saw with the uh, North Shore offense and whatnot and uh, you know I think North Shore is a team that could probably still make it two three rounds deep this year but I don't think they're North Shore team they're a North Shore team that we've seen in the past uh, that being said Klein Oak 2023 quarterback PJ Hatter um, he, he, uh, hold on. Mike has a timeout. He's going he's gonna... <laughs> to like, go ahead and finish. And then I'll, as soon as you're done with this game, I will interject. Okay. Uh, PJ Hatter, 2023 quarterback. Uh, he was somebody that really impressed me. He's a left-handed quarterback that throws really nice balls. Um, you know, I think he's somebody that I, could, I think could generate some FCS attention, maybe even some group of five attention. That's someone I'm keeping a, keeping an eye on moving forward. Um, and then aside from that, also 2023 athlete, Caleb Black, uh, for Klein Oak. Um, you know, that's a kid that's starting to get a little bit of power five buzz. Um, you know, I think that's someone that can end up at a low tier power five school. You also had uh, Joshua Wiggins, Colorado commit at corner for Klein Oak. That was somebody I really liked throughout the day. So, you know, Klein Oak has a ton of athletes, um, you know, that are really fun individually. Um, and I was, I was really excited to see those guys. And then talking to, uh, you know, the two guys after the game with Texas implications, we could start with uh, Chris Ross. 
Um, you know, since he's committed, there's been a lot of deep defensive line commits. That's, uh, you know, no secret to anybody. You know, he's kind of embracing that challenge. He's excited to meet those guys and compete with them. Uh, you know, I think Bo Davis has communicated that to him quite well. So, um, you know, I don't have any worries about Chris Ross there. And then talking about Denver Harris, um, today he was he, he wanted to make a commitment actually on, on his birthday, September 22nd here on Wednesday. Um, obviously, that did not happen. He told me that last Friday that it probably was not going to happen. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's keeping an eye on four schools, LSU, Alabama, um, Texas A&M and Texas. Uh, you know, he still talks to Texas quite a bit, actually Terry Joseph and, and Steve Sarkeesian have really built a strong relationship with him. It wouldn't be surprised to see him get back on campus or to the Texas OU game later this, uh, uh, later this year. Um, so that's definitely going to be one I keep an eye on. And then on Thursday, I, I went out to Tyler. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, go ahead. This Tyler. is what I wanted to interject. So you did <laughs> find, you did remember there, but I was going to chide you because Nick is a man that wears many hats. He has many allegiances. He's either a Rockwall fan or a Rockwall Heath fan, depending on the week. But as Nick will always remind you, he is from Tyler. He is from East Texas. And Nick forgot that he went to Tyler last week. With me. With God. That's the thing is with me and his roommate, Colin. I'm a little in, offended by that. In the spot that I was supposed to take. Now, I will say. I will defend Nick and say Nick is like notoriously bad with short-term memory. Yeah. Uh, like he's awful. There's sometimes he'll talk to a kid at a game and I'll call him after the game. Be like, what did the kids say? And he's like, I forgot. I'll just send you the audio. So <laughs> I'll give him an excuse for that. But Nick, you forgot the motherland. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I know. It, it did slip my mind a little bit. That was a long night and Colin's over here shaking his head. Um, but we did go out to Tyler to see Alan and Tyler legacy. Uh, we'll start with five-star defensive lineman David Hicks for Allen. Um, you know, this is a kid who rose big time in our rankings update here recently. I believe he's now the number three overall prospect in the country, which is very deserving. We're all big David Hicks fans uh, on this podcast. Um, but uh, it doesn't look like necessarily that Texas is, is, you know, one of the front runners at this point. That being said, he says he talks to um, Coach Bo Davis and Steve Sarkeesian quite a bit. You know, that's a place he still wants to visit. There's a lot of things still to shake out in his recruitment, but, you know, as it looks right now, I like where Texas A&M and Clemson are sitting, especially. Um, and looking at some other guys in the game, we can talk about Nato Yumeazulu, uh, the uh, 2022 four-star offensive lineman. You know, he's a, he's a kid of a few words, but the few words he does say kind of indicates that uh, Texas, USC, Florida, and Oklahoma, those are the schools that, you know, are really standing out for him right now. Um, you know, maybe USC, Texas, Oklahoma, Honestly, you could point to all four schools having some sort of an edge in, in one way or another, uh, just based on, you know, the kind of kid that NATO is. So, um, you know, that's definitely going to be a recruitment we're watching closely moving forward. Uh, also, Jordan Renaud, four-star 2023 defensive lineman for Tyler Legacy. Um, you know, he talks to Texas quite a bit. Uh, actually, we went back on the audio today and, you know, was really uh, uh, impressed with the job that Texas has actually been able to do in such a short time with him. Uh, you know, kind of based on, you know, the move from Jordan Renaud from uh, Florida to Texas over the summer and then from Louisville to Tyler Legacy, um, you know, later in the summer. So uh, that's definitely going to be a recruitment to keep an eye on. And then uh, talking about Texas commit Jamarian Miller, um, 2022 four-star running back. Um, talked to him after the game and, you know, he talks to Stan Drayton and Steve Sarkeesian quite a bit. This is a kid who probably will not be an early enrollee. Um, that being said, um, he's, he's looking forward to coming in and, and being healthy day one and getting after it in the classroom and, uh, you know, in the weight room with the guys next summer. So I did ask him if he was uh, looking forward to taking any visits this fall, whether it be at Texas or any other schools. He said he didn't have anything planned as of now, but we'll be sure to keep an eye on that moving forward. Um, but that was it for, for last week for me. All right, Nick, we'll, we'll forgive you there. What do you got on tap for uh, this week? This week, uh, tomorrow, as we're recording on Wednesday, tomorrow, on Thursday, I will be heading down to uh, beautiful Colleen, Texas, to see uh, Colleen Ellison and Harker Heights. Um, may not be the best game I see all year, but that being said, a 2023 offensive lineman, Jaden Chapman, was somebody that was offered last week by the Texas staff at the Texas game, I believe, or before the game. He was somebody that visited last week and uh, met with Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood, and they went ahead and gave him his first offer. Um, and uh, he's a big body uh, on the offensive line. Obviously, they've liked what they've seen from him early in the season. So, you know, I'm excited to go lay my eyes on him and see how he is. And then on Friday, I'm heading down, uh, heading not too far from my place here in Louisville to go see Flower Mound of Flower Mound Marcus. Uh, Flower Mound led by Florida commit Nick Evers, a quarterback. And then Flower Mound Marcus led by uh, 2023 four-star wide receiver Ashton Kozar. Uh, 2024 quarterback Cole Welliver, who uh, isn't starting this year, but is still getting quite a bit of reps. 
Um, but, uh, you know, those are some guys I'm really looking forward to seeing, and I think it'll be a really good crosstown uh, matchup. And let me, let me interject real quick. I want, to, want you to get eyes on a certain kid over at Harker Heights, Nick, uh, Rashawn Sanford II. Yes, absolutely. The 23 running bit, back. Yes, he's a little bit of like a scat, you know, gadget type back. Size might be a little bit of an issue of him really breaking through to the P5 ceiling but um, or plateau, but um, it, it seems like he's starting to get some attention from schools like Houston and stuff like that. And he's really put together um, a really good resume so far to start this season, his junior year campaign. And I, I believe he's helped, uh, you know, get Harker Heights to maybe their best start in school history, which is about 16 years or so. So that's, that's pretty impressive on his part. All right. Um, I would also say, I think Colleen Ellison is home to, I can't ever remember which Colleen school, uh, Brandon bet or uh, Brendan Betts, who yeah. uh, visited Texas over the summer is a guy that I think is a very intriguing Keep an eye on this kid. He is a big body defensive lineman who tore the camp scene up this summer. So is a guy that could develop. Um, I did not go to a Thursday game. I had some personal stuff to take care of last week. It's why we didn't record. That's on me. Um, and then uh, I had to cancel my game. But Friday, Guy and I uh, went down to the, well, I was going to say the south side, but a guy would probably chide me for calling DeSoto the south side. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it just depends on where you are. It's south of something, right? So It's, uh, you know, the southern sector of Dallas, you know, yes. I-20 corridor. We were on the I-20 corridor for the big DeSoto-Duncanville matchup. At Nick, a game we picked last year, uh, or last week, I mean. Hey, Guy, what did I tell you, like, 10 minutes into the game when DeSoto was up 14 nothing. I was, I was basically resigning that one to a loss on the pick. Yes, I, I, yeah, I believe so. But then, well, remind me who you had in that game. Though. I had Duncanville, and then right. I, I think I took, yeah. we, we showed up there, and um, Amaria Bohr is out with injury. Lontrell yeah. Turner is out. Del uh, Del Deldrick uh, Madison. Madison's out, and I'm mm-hmm. like, man, if I'd have known all this, I might have picked differently. Yes. Um, and uh, going in the first like ten minutes of that game, it looked like I was going to be way wrong. And uh, Desoto jumps out to a fourteen nothing lead. Duncanville comes roaring back. I think they scored. Mm-hmm. I think they basically outscored them what like forty one to seven for the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Desoto could hardly get a first down from about the second quarter on. Um, but they, I think they scored on their three last uh, touches of the ball to end the the first half. And from there, it was pretty much game. Um, and you can explain from there, but the, yeah. The best part of the game was um, Colin Simmons, the 2024 Duncanville Edge uh, guy that we really liked coming into it. We talked about him back in the spring when I went to the Duncanville spring game. Was incredible uh, and a big part of that. He um, he had a couple sacks. He had a bunch of tackles. He had a bunch of pressures. He recovered a fumble, and he tipped a pass that was intercepted in return for a touchdown. So a big-time performance. There were a lot of college coaches there, including Texas assistants Jeff Banks and Kyle Flood. No surprise, Colin Simmons got his offer from Texas this week. So uh, it was a lot of fun. What's up, Yeah, Nick? another thing to add on Thursday, Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski were on hand for the Tyler Legacy and Allen game. Uh, yep. Kind of a surprise. Um, you know, they were there mainly, I'm sure, to see uh, Pete Kukowski more so to see David Hicks and Jordan Renaud. But, you know, having a commit in that game, it made a lot of sense for those two guys to be there. It's fun to see these college coaches out because we didn't get it last year. And Herman's staff was kind of against it unless it was a bye week. I can remember one year, like, if you're uh, if I'm the head coach at Texas, the Friday night of Texas OU, every coach on my staff would be out at a game in Dallas if it were up to me, right? I mean, you would think, like, let's get these guys all out everywhere. And they never did it. And I would ask somebody on staff, and they were just like, well, we got meetings. And I'm like, man, figure out a meeting time sometime, you know, some other time. You've got a, an opportunity in a place that you're not recruiting lights out in to really hit the pavement and be out here. You know, the Oklahoma, I can remember seeing Oklahoma coaches at those games and thinking, well, they're, you know, their guys are here. So it's kind of a bad look for Texas not to be. So, um, they're finding ways to get out on the road, even on game weekends, and uh, I, I commend them for that. Um, all right, Guy, let's uh, let's start with you. What's your schedule for the upcoming week? Yeah, so starting tomorrow night, um, joining the Dave Campbell's crew, or, or a good majority of them anyway, over at Mesquite Memorial. Um, I think Colin will also be with me. Um, so West Mesquite is hosting Longview. Um, 
be my second chance to get eyes on Jalen Hale this season and uh, maybe a little bit better game to get eyes on him for. The, you know, Longview struggled to move the ball past a certain point against Denton Ryan in week one. So gives me another chance to see him. Um, and then maybe if anybody else catches my eye as well. Uh, Devian Isaac is a linebacker that I really like at Longview. Not sure he's a power five type guy, but he might be a guy that's a late eval for maybe like a G5 spot. Um, so I get to see that tomorrow. And obviously Mesquite Memorial is just such a great place to go to. They treat you well, they feed you well, and it's just yes. a good place to watch a football game. I was um, going to say, so. can we can we talk about the greatness of Mesquite Memorial f- for a minute? The people, you may hear me on Twitter complaining about certain ISDs. You will never hear me say a crossword about the good people at Mesquite ISD. They treat you like royalty. Do we want to do a really quick top three of best venues in the state? Yeah, we can do that. Or maybe well, ISDs. I mean, well, yeah, because like I would almost characterize Memorial and Hamby like equal. Like yeah, they, they more, treat you as well at both. Yeah. You know. Um, I, I you mean like best as in like the best for covering a game, like how they treat you, or best like coolest stadium? Experience, food, stadium, press box, the whole nine yards. It's so hard we, to it's hard. Up. Yeah, it's it's hard to beat Mesquite for me. I mean, I think all in all, it, it's got to be probably number one, and it will replace uh, I, Mansfield ISD. Uh, Vernon Newsom is probably like my favorite stadium to watch a game in. I just think the sight lines are great. The uh, the setup of I love any stadium where you can go from the press box in an elevator to a tunnel directly onto the field and not have to walk down steps or navigate whatever. That's a big thing in Newsom's, but Newsom has gotten a little more difficult uh, over the past mm-hmm. couple of years. And while they do feed you well, um, it's not Mesquite ISD well. So I, I got to go Mesquite one. I haven't been to a well, game I... there in forever, but Southlake in the back of the day would have been number two probably for me. And then um, what about the Soto? We don't really ever get fed yeah. there. But it's the easiness in that we can just call up Coach Sweeney, their recruiting coordinator and receiver coach. Get on the and list. in a moment's notice. I mean, I remember last year I called him two hours. or It was, it was the afternoon of a game. I, I knew none of that. And he got me on it. That doesn't yeah. happen anywhere else in the state. You yeah, know? I think I got to throw DeSoto on three for that. I'm going to have Mesquite in mind, DeSoto probably in mind. And then uh, Georgetown ISD is also a really good one. Um, every time I go down to Georgetown, I have a great time. They always treat me well. I try to find a reason to go there every year. Probably won't be able to this year, but uh, that's another one I really like. There was a couple of years ago. I went uh, in late October, and they had a German night, and they had uh, some beef bratwurst. If you know me, I don't eat pork, so it was literally heaven to me. I was, I, was, I was having a great time. They had their culinary students whipping it up, and it tasted like I was uh, – I was in I was in Germany while covering a Georgetown versus uh, Pflugerville Connolly game. It was fantastic. <laughs> Guy, do you want to go Mesquite? You want to go Duncanville or uh, Soto? And who else? Yeah, I'm trying to think um, from a hospitality standpoint. Uh, I've never really had the Southlake experience you've had. That's not saying anything bad about Southlake. I just, you know, I went to games there back then, but never was fed or anything like that. So. Um, Waxahachie, by the way, is an extremely underrated spot. It's an underrated experience. I'll give you one. It's similar to Waxahachie, uh, Longview. Yeah, it's the it's a similar type deal. It's a buffet spread at halftime, or really anytime you want to go back there. Um, you can go back at you know seconds and thirds, eat as much as you want. Um, never really spent a game in the press box there, but. I like going there. There's plenty of space with the track. It's a cool venue. Uh, they really obviously care about their football there, being that they are Longview in, in East Texas, and they just travel differently. So home games, they're, they're coming. Uh, so I, 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 let's throw Longview on there just to find a way to put them on the list. Now let's go bottom three. Bottom three, Highlander, uh, Wilkerson, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Frisco ISD. <laughs> <laughs> what about Irving? Just kidding. Fight? I've never, uh, uh, d- guy. We don't insult the IHOP like that. Um, uh-huh. I've actually never covered a game at Highlander. I've covered one at Wilk, and we all know my thoughts on Frisco. So, uh, all right, guy. Who? What do you got Friday? Yeah. So Friday, um, going to go see Texarkana Liberty Ilu play Waxahachie Life um, at Life School. 
Sounds like uh, a wild time. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a quieter Friday, but um, our good friend Earl Gill uh, just took a job there at Liberty Ilu, and he contacted me a couple weeks ago. And there was a couple of kids I've actually been interested in seeing again that um, one of our good friends, Coach O, and I saw last year in Jefferson when we went on the East Texas trip together. Uh, some of those kids have graduated. Some of them have transferred to other schools, but a couple of them are still around. Uh, one of them being Tracy Revels, who I think just got an invite uh, to head down to Austin on Saturday for a, a visit of some sort. So he's a 2023 safety that has gotten some attention as of late, was a guy that we actually found last year. So I'd like to see him 12 months later and kind of see what's progressed and what's up with him and what his story is currently. Um, so I, I told Earl I'd come by. He wants me to hop on the radio show uh, for Liberty Ilu and um, instead of me having to drive all the way to Northeast Texas, they'll be in my backyard, which is nice. Okay. All right. I've um, got a Friday, uh, Friday only game. I'm going out to Austin this weekend. I'm going uh, Thursday tomorrow um, and taking a bit of a family trip, mixing in a little work, a little pleasure. Me and my dad and my brother are going to go down and um, I'm going to introduce them to some high school football. And uh, then we're going to go see Texas on Saturday. So, uh, Friday night, as we mentioned previously, I will be at Del Valley and uh, Westlake in Del Valley. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. We're going to go see uh, uh, Braylon James for Del Valley and then uh, uh, Connor Robertson, TJ Shanahan, Kate Klubnick, a ton of guys for Westlake, obviously. So uh, looking forward to that. All right, guy, let's uh, let's make this a weekly thing. Yeah, well, I guess uh, I guess another thing is you'll be joining me on Saturday. Um True. I know I'm I'm Baylor Fraz on here, but I'm actually a Texas guy at heart. That's more being tongue in cheek. But um, I guess Mike will be joining me, uh, and that'll be fun to, to catch a Texas game with. You'll be sitting in my little uh, season ticket spot and uh, looking forward to 11 a.m. on Saturday. Don't tell yeah. them where. We'll have a, a host of fans swarming you on the first quarter. That's true. Yes. We can't can't yes. cannot give away the location. We will we will keep that to ourselves. All right, guy. Well, thanks for jumping on, and uh, we will talk to you later. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. All right. All right, Nick, before we move on to the mailbag, you, uh, you've got a basketball update, so go at it. Yeah, just really quick, uh, five-star small forward Jordan Walsh uh, from uh, Branson, Linkier Prep in Missouri, took, a, took an official visit uh, to Texas this past weekend. He's originally from Cedar Hill. He's originally from the Dallas area. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a recruit that Texas really started to put the, turn the heat up on as uh, the live evaluation periods got underway in late June and early July. Uh, this is someone I think had a fantastic, uh, off season, um, with drive nation, the AAU team based, uh, out of here in Dallas. Um, and, you know, this is someone that the Texas staff is really keying in on now that they are, uh, you know, focusing on specific prospects. Um, and from, from all in early indications, uh, a point to Jordan Walsh having a fantastic time um in austin on friday night they went to a, a little baby concert had a great time there with the staff and uh, a couple of the players uh on saturday went to the rice game had a fantastic time uh there were some fans even that had um you know uh, talked to jordan and and um you know had noticed him and that was really cool for him and his family uh, and then sunday they had a photo shoot and everything and you know, from what I can tell, Texas and Arkansas are really going to be battling it out for this recruitment. Um, Eric Musselman, the head coach over at Arkansas, has done a really good job himself. They had a really good official visit um, uh, last month, I believe. Um, and, uh, you know, can't, can't count out the Razorbacks here. Uh, he'll be taking an official visit to Kansas to finish things off here at the end of the month. And then it'll probably be decision time. Uh, stay tuned to Horns 24-7. We'll have an update after his Kansas visit uh, to kind of see where things are and, you know, where things could be going moving forward. But, you know, this is definitely a recruit that I'm keeping a very close eye on for, uh, you know, potential to join the class. Uh, but, again, Arkansas is going to be a huge threat here. I think it's going to be a really fun battle here down the stretch. All right. Well, let's go to the mailbag to finish the show off. As always, you can get your questions to us. Uh, if you're on the Horns 24-7 message board, whenever we put the thread up, uh, get them in there. All right. Our first question comes to us from Longhorns Forever 85 out of – uh, Evan Stewart, uh, Denver Harris, or Brennan Thompson, who does Texas have the best shot at landing? Um, yeah, that's something we didn't talk about, Nick, so uh, I for totally forgot that. We can definitely hit on it here, and I'll let you do it because you've got the majority of the scoop on it. But um, based just off what we heard last week, I mean, 
I've got to go right now with our best chances uh, with Brendan Thompson. So, um, Nick, talk a little bit. I, I forgive you, or, or, or I ask your the listeners' apolo- uh, forgiveness for, for us not covering this earlier in the show. Uh, but go ahead and cover that, that Brendan Thompson visit and uh, give us your answer. Yeah, Brendan Thompson took his official visit to Texas this past weekend. It'll be his last official visit before making his uh, decision. He took an unofficial visit to Oklahoma State to begin the season, and he'll take another unofficial visit to Texas A&M on October 8th for their game against Alabama. And then it'll be decision time for him between those three schools. Um, But from, uh, you know, talking to to Brendan and talking to his uh, mom over the week, um, you know, it really sounded like the Texas hit a home run here. Um, that being said, you know, this is going to be close. It's going to be a close race. But Texas did everything that they needed to do this week, I believe, to, uh, you know, remain a legit contender to land his commitment. Um, and as I said on Horns 24-7 throughout the week, I, I feel cautiously confident in my crystal ball right now. Um, he, uh, the family was able to connect with Steve Sarkeesian and his family really well. Um, L'Oreal Sarkeesian, uh, which Mike talked about earlier this week on the site, and I mentioned it as well on the Vernon update, you know, that's someone that I think could really, you know, be a, a big tool moving forward and recruiting is L'Oreal Sarkeesian. She's just uh, very kind hearted from what we can tell. And, um, you know, families really, you know, attract to her and she's been fantastic early on and making them feel at home. So, um, you know, that was big. And the Brennan Thompson recru- uh, official visit, um, he uh, at halftime, I think this is really interesting at halftime of the Rice game, um, they brought in Jordan Shipley to talk to Brennan. And uh, they sat down and talked for well into the third quarter, actually, um, just about how Jordan Shipley was able to transition from being a small town kid from Burnett and originally from Abilene and um, uh, coming to Texas and still being able to do what he wanted to do, which was, you know, a lot of outdoors stuff, which is who Brennan Thompson is. Um, you know, Brennan Thompson is not somebody who watches football on Saturdays and Sundays or, you know, is watching Netflix or playing video games throughout the week. He's somebody that's going out and would rather, you know, shoot some cans and, uh, you know, when it's dove season, shoot some birds and go fishing and whatnot. And, you know, he's just a West Texas kid at heart. He was a little bit worried about how he'd be able to do that in the city of Austin. And that was a question I know he had going in. But coming out, um, you know, he said that is no longer a question. And that's, uh, um, you know, that's somebody that's something that has been solved for him. And he knows he'll have the opportunity to do stuff like that in the city of Austin. So I think that was really big for the Texas staff to be able to capitalize on, because at the end of the day, you know, Brennan Thompson just wants to be happy as, as any kid should. And I think that's going to be a big determining factor for him. But, um, you know, going back to the question out of Stuart Harris or Brennan Thompson, who do, who do uh, I think that Texas has the best chance at landing? I think it is Brennan Thompson. I think it goes probably Thompson, Stuart Harris. Um, you know, there's still one more unofficial visit to, to play out. And then uh, it's going to be decision time for him. And, um, you know, as, as things stand right now, I think Texas still has a pretty good shot. I just want to touch on that L'Oreal Sarkeesian point. I do, I'm working on a project where I've been talking to a lot of former players um, and a lot of them from the Mac Brown era. And when you hear them talk about Sally Brown, it's different. It's like, you know, one of them told me, you know, you go to, you go on the official visit, you meet with your position coach, you meet with your host, you go to, to dinner the next day and Mac, you know, Mac tries to reel you in, but Sally closes the deal. Um, another one told me when they committed, they actually called Sally and told her first. Um, and so I think it's an underrated aspect, but when you have a strong coach's wife that kind of engenders that mother of the program type thing, it, it, it could be a, a very kind of underrated weapon in recruiting. So uh, it was good of you to highlight that, Nick. Um, all right, from Hornsfan247, are the Horns recruiting any top 2023 20, linebackers? Yes, quite a few. If you go up to the tab, the football recruiting tab on our website and go to offers, you can see all the guys they've offered, but there are quite a few. I mean, if you're talking in-state, you've got Anthony Hill, who is uh, you know one of the top guys in the country. Uh, if you're talking out-of-state, you have uh, Tassili Akana and Leona LaFau and uh, – uh, uh, Leviticus Sua, there, there's a lot of guys. I, I'm not going to sit here and name them all, but yes, they are in on quite a few. Yeah, absolutely. You touched on Leona LaFau, the uh, linebacker out of Hawaii, um, as well as Cecilia Kana, the linebacker who was originally out of Hawaii at the same school as Leona, but uh, is now playing in Utah now. Um, you know, those are two kids that came in separately for um, a camp this past summer and two kids that really liked uh, Texas uh, from what they saw early on. That's two guys that the staff really liked early on. Um, you mentioned Anthony Hill as well. You know, that's going to be one of the most, you know, recruited kids in the entire country. Um, but early on, Texas is doing what, you know, they need to do to, uh, you know, kind of stay in that race. Um, and then also Darian Gullett, that's kind of a kid that uh, is more of an edge guy, but I think he could be a linebacker at the next level. Um, uh, Texas is probably 
of the front runner for him right now. I would say so. Um, they were the first school to call him at midnight on September 1st. Uh, Chris Gilbert was the one who made that phone call. Um, and obviously Marlon has the um, 2022 four-star commit to Ray Bledsoe there. And there's some Texas ties to the program. Uh, Darian Gullett will be another one to keep an eye on. All right. I'm just going to hit this one real quick. I don't know if there's a lot to expand on, but FC underscore Horn in Kansas. I wonder why they would ask this question, but then I see the name. Any noise on or interest in prospects from Kansas? Dylan Edwards from Derby is a stud, and his dad played with Coleman at Kansas State. Um, haven't heard a ton of them recruiting Kansas. Kansas isn't the most fertile recruiting ground, so I kind of get it, but uh, no, haven't heard a ton there. Uh, from Hookham777, our D-line class seems to be a pretty solid group with talent and depth. What do you attribute that success, uh, the success to, uh, to with that class? I think Bo Davis came in with a rep of a strong recruiter, That's and that's there. I think that there's opportunity to play uh, soon. I think that going to the SEC meshes more with, with frontline guys who, who are looking at options. I think there's a lot of things in play there. They've seemed to hit kind of the perfect storm. Uh, the relationships are clicking. And, and so I don't know that it's any one thing I can attribute to, but it's certainly worked out for them. Yeah, for sure. I do want to touch on the last question just really quick. Um, Avery Johnson is a 2023 quarterback that's being recruited by TCU right now. And if Texas misses out on Arch Manning, then, you know, they're going to kind of look all over the place for, you know, their, their next option. Avery Johnson is possibly somebody from Mays, Kansas. Um, but uh, going to this uh, D-line question, you know, Bo Davis brought an NFL pedigree to, to Texas whenever he was hired uh, from the Detroit Lions. That's something that's really interesting to recruits, uh, you know, who obviously want to go and make that next level of the NFL. Um, but also, like you said, being, having the opportunity to possibly play early, um, there's a lot of opportunity there at Texas to do that. Um, and, um, you know, just a, a really strong recruiting pitch all around from, you know, Bo Davis, Brandon Harris, Steve Sarkeesian, Pete Wachowski, whatever, um, you know, and those guys want to compete with each other and learn with each other. Okay. From Adam PH 38 out of Jaleel Skinner's top five, rank the teams one through five on the chances with him. I would say it's coming down to this. So the top five is Alabama, Texas, uh, Clemson, Florida State, Florida State, Miami. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure that was it. I don't even think Florida State's in it anymore. I think you'd probably replace Florida State with Florida. Um, and I'm not sure Florida was that in it. So I think it really comes down to this. I'm not sure how hard Clemson's pushing at the moment. And I don't think Miami is going to finish the deal. I think it really comes down to Texas and Alabama. That's what it seems like right now. That's what everybody I talk to uh, feels where it comes down. So I would probably rank them Texas 1A and, and Bama 1B or however you want to do it. Yeah, I rely on Mike for the scoop there. But, you know, coming down to Texas and Alabama, you know, I think this is a recruitment that a lot of fans should be paying a lot of attention to. Um, I think it's going to be a close battle between those two schools, and Texas definitely has a shot. HD forever thoughts on James and Tommy Brockmeyer. Oh, I thought we'd never hear those names in the mailbag again. Um, did they choose Alabama over Texas due to their ability to develop NFL linemen? If I'm not mistaken, flood was at Bama recruiting those two, but now at Texas, this seems ambiguous because flood was the coach who developed uh, linemen in the past for the tide, but neither Tommy or James left Alabama for Texas choosing to follow flood. Uh, my only other thought on this was Herman was somewhat alienated those kids coming to Texas. Yeah, I think we've talked about the situation openly a, a lot. Um, first of all, for anybody who, yes, Flood was definitely involved in developing those guys, but the program at Bama, I think, is more what caught their eye than anything. Just the, the overall power of Nick Saban's program. Even if they were dedicated to Flood, I think that any thoughts that those kids would immediately go into the portal when Flood left, kind of crazy. I mean, they went there to go to Alabama and play for national championships and do all those things. And, you know, if you've ever talked to Blake, their dad, about it, he'll tell you he loved everything about his time at Texas, but his only regret was that they didn't win more. And I think that there was part of that. I do think Herman did alienate them. I think that he made a major mistake when he offered James a preferred walk-on spot early in their recruitment, the same day Iowa offered him a scholarship um, and Iowa, obviously a lot better history with offensive lines. So yeah, a little bit of both, but I think for everybody saying, Oh, floods here. So they should automatically flip. That's just, that's not really how that works. Yeah. They went to, to Alabama for more reasons than Kyle flood. Um, you know, Nick Saban is still, you know, the head coach there last time I checked, and that's a big time, uh, that's a big time factor as well. Uh, from C-Nut-L-31A, who's the next offensive line commit for this class um, or top three offensive linemen to commit? 
I, it's very hard to predict when uh, just timing wise, not sure who's going when I'm the big guy. I will continue to say the guy I feel best about is Devon Campbell. Yeah, agreed. I feel the same way. Uh, from Triplet Joseph, 44, other than Devon Campbell, is there another five-star you think Texas will get? Um, I still think they I, – I'm still bullish on their chances with Evan Stewart at this point, so I guess maybe I'll go down with that ship and die on that hill, but um, I, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to feel the same way there with uh, Evan Stewart. You know, Denver Harris, is an, there's an outside shot. I feel a little bit better after talking to him last week, but I don't think Texas is the leader there by any means. Um, so yeah, probably Evan Stewart would be the one I, I, I'd pin to. Okay. And our last question from Freddie Farmers. Uh, if you're Sark, what is your pitch to Evan Stewart look like right now at this point in the recruiting process? It's very simple. We've got a team we've, sh- and hopefully this bears out over the, the season, but we could throw the ball. We can move the ball. Xavier worthy has done some good things as a freshman, but we need more of that. We need a lot more of that. And you are that you are a supercharged version of that. So come in, play right away, represent your home state, be featured in our offense. We already show you that we're going to make this, this freshman, a a go-to guy on our team. And, you know, you can put up all the numbers, you can go get drafted, you can make all the money you want and you can do it in your home state. That's my pitch. Yeah, I think uh, they could also turn around and tell him that he could start right now tomorrow if he wanted to. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. A possibility uh, w- with this current roster. You know, there's some receivers that have been very lackluster through the first uh, three games um, that I think Evan Stewart would do miles better than. So uh, it is not out of the stretch of uh, the imagination that Evan Stewart could come in and start. I think that's the biggest pitch right now. All right, and that's going to do it for us, uh, for the mailbag, and that's going to do it for the show. As always, we thank you guys for your involvement. We hope you enjoyed the new segment with the great guy, Frazier. We thank him for joining, and I look forward to bringing him back next week. Uh, Nick, anything you want to add before we get out of here? No, that's about it. Just uh, looking forward to getting going this weekend. All right, conference play begins for Texas. Big visitors on campus, so we're excited to come back next week and see what happens. Uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next week. For drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.